can be seated. I want to invite our school-age kids to the back um, with uh, the Phillips and the Loaches. Um, yeah, that's great. And the mass exodus begins. Um, that's great. Um, well, we've uh, had some uh, flashing lights this morning. And so um, I'm happy to report the building is not on fire. Um, I think somebody pulled the fire alarm possibly. Um, it was probably my child. And so uh, um, I have no idea what happened there, but it's all taken care of. And um, yeah, really excited to be here this morning with you guys. My name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant Church. And we're going to be um, in First Peter 2 this morning. We're going to turn your Bibles to there. Um, so I was thinking uh, this week, um, Covenant Church actually formally started gathering as a people about seven years ago this month. Um, now, I wasn't around uh, yet. I was a few months later. Um, and from what I understand, they first met, uh, what is it, like some tin building with no air conditioning or something like that. There's something just terrible. And so, and there's only like four people left here. Like I think Tracy, Leighton, Laurie, and Kobe and Robin, the only ones left. Uh, they're like the, the top tier members of Covenant Church, which means they serve every single week. That's what you get for uh, being in our Platinum Club. And, um, and I think it back to when we first started and getting there, and uh, I was thinking about this. Um, like, there was just no, like, great strategy at all. Like, there was literally, like, no, like, grand plan. The plan was, like, to make disciples. And, like, we're going to try to preach the Bible, and we'll kind of get together in smaller groups. And that was really it. And so, like, there was really, like, no master strategy, kind of just kind of like stumbling in the darkness kind of thing and kind of figuring things out kind of as we go. But as I, as I look back and I think back and I look at you guys walking with us, um, it is unbelievable what God has done in these past seven years. Um, it's unreal what God has done in my life in these past seven years. Um, just the things that he's taught me and still teaching me has been um, kind of surreal. But I was uh, talking uh, with Kaylee Plett this week, and I thought about Phil and Kaylee. And I told Kaylee, she's walking on stage, like, hey, I'm going to share a story about y'all today. And she's like, uh, uh, okay. And, um, and I was thinking about uh, when they started walking with us, and um, when they started walking with us, they had no real desire to, to have kids ever one day. Uh, they're now about to start fostering kids, um, which is like one extreme to the other extreme. Um, it's been just unreal uh, to see that. And Kelly was talking to me this, this week about discipling these ladies and praying for these ladies. She said this phrase right here that jumped out at me. I feel like all the things that I've walked through that God has taught me over the years is, na- is now being used to encourage other people. And it just clicked in me, this phrase, I've heard it before, but this idea of what God does in you, the work God's doing in you, God desires to do through you at some point as well. And and here's the thing with that, that's a long process. Here's what I mean. It's a long process, the work God is doing in us. That process never stops. Nobody here is ever going to say, hey, I've arrived, I'm good. God, your work is done here. That's just not going to happen. This work is going to keep happening and happening and happening. But as he does it in us, he begins to do it through us as well. And that leads us to um, really 1 Peter 2 today and just kind of this whole text. Um, 
Let's all stand together as we read this, this scripture together. Um, this passion on my heart all week long. Um, and I love the words of Peter here. Verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. That by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, as we uh, look at your word this morning, um, I pray that you pierce hearts this morning. As we have apathetic or weary or even dead souls this morning, Father, you would make us alive in Christ this morning. You would give us supernatural faith this morning, Father. Father, speak to us. Move in our hearts. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you see here in verse, in verse 1, it starts with this phrase, so. It says, so put away all malice, or, or therefore put away. So when you see therefore, or you see a so, you've got to go backwards. So let's go look at uh, 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 22. It says here, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere Brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. In Peter's letter, there's this constant theme in this letter of brotherly love, of love in the midst of suffering, of humility. You see all throughout this letter, he's imploring the church to love one another. Which brings me right back to Jesus in his high priestly prayer. He said he prayed as he's getting ready to go to the cross. He prays to God and says, Lord, make them one. Make them one so that the world can see my love for them. So you see this theme throughout the church of loving one another. And so it says here, since you have been born again, we can love each other like brothers and sisters since we have been born again. So as these new creations in Christ, we are now free and able, the key word there is able, to love one another with brotherly and sisterly love. But that's only because we have been born again. Since you have been born again, since we have this new and perishable life, we have an absolute unshakable hope. Since we now have this, we love one another. It's not we love one another and we try and we try and we try. It is since we are born again with an imperishable, everlasting life. We are now free to love one another. And then going for, for, further in, verse, in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, So we love one another, so we put away. We push away. We turn away. These things, malice, 
deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. If you break it down, it's really two things. It's hate and it's hiding. We put away hate and we put away hiding. These two things tear the church apart. These sins listed here, they tear at the, at the social fabric of the church, ripping away thread, threads of love that keep us together. So we've been doing this for seven years now, right? And we have seen God do amazing things. But hear this. God has much more planned for us than where we are right now. There is still among us malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Trust me, I know, I hear about it. It is there. It's in my heart as well. And I think about this idea of malice. Think about hate, right? Malice, envy, slander. Malice is this idea of feeling superior or having ill will. It's this thought that like, okay, I've arrived. I do this, I do this, I'm good, but you don't do this. And so I have ill will towards you. Or in some way, I'm superior. And truthfully, I, this morning I was thinking about uh, Virginia yesterday. And just these images of what's going on out there in Virginia. And these images of these young men holding flames and spewing hate. Just spewing hate. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's such malice towards people that aren't like them. And then the Holy Spirit just whispered inside of me. What we see on display right now out there, and it's so vivid, and it's causing so much discussion. Here's what it is. It's this unseen nature of racism coming out. And listen, I grew up in Shreveport, Bossier. And so, you know, we're aware of the world. We, I was at Southwood, and there was going to be a race fight one day. And my mom said, you can't go to school. There's going to be a race fight today. I was like, well, I'm not going to fight anybody. Have you seen me? I'm 120 pounds. Nobody knows I'm there anyways. Trust me, I have no friends there. That's a different story, though. Different story. And so this is a part of our culture. We can't, like, look at Virginia and be like, oh, I can't believe they do that kind of thing. We have parents and family and people among us That is where we are. And here's my encouragement today. There is an unseen nature to this kind of hate. An unseen, unspoken, that can rot your soul and creates malice and division even among the body of Christ. This is how sin works. It all comes out. These unseen things fester and fester, and they come out, and we see that on display right now. And I pray that our church grows in this area. Listen, I have talked to some of you in this room who God has changed your hearts on this issue right here. And one of my prayers this morning, even in this sensitive topic, no one's talking right now. It's nice. It's great. In this sensitive topic, that we begin to actually search our own hearts and souls. Because we've been plopped down into this culture and to pretend like nothing ever like, gets inside of us and is believed that our lives would be just foolish. So I would encourage all of us today to search our hearts. Where is there hate for others that is not of God's church? And listen, if God's church doesn't speak to this issue or doesn't speak to people being um, seen as an image of God, then what are we doing? 
We are to be the forefront. The church should be this picture of the kingdom of God. And when there's hate in the midst of this picture, it gives this false picture of what God's kingdom looks like. And so today, put away all malice. Put away all hatred. Put away all racism. This is good news for your soul today. This is good news for your heart today. God can use this terrible thing in Virginia to deliver us today from hatred. That's how good God is. He takes these terrible things and he makes things new. And so today, don't just move past this. Let the Holy Spirit fester. Let him mess with you. Let him make you uncomfortable today. For the good of your soul and the glory of God in his church. That is good news for us today. So we see this idea of malice and ill will where we feel like we're superior. Like we get a mile ahead or a yard ahead in our spiritual journey. We were there a week ago with this person that's now struggling behind us. We're like, oh, I can't believe you. I'm good now. I, I have nothing in my heart. We had this truly judgmental and this malice and this ill will. And here's what it is. We care more honestly sometimes about progress and perfection than following Jesus. We care more about how we're seen, how we're perceived, how we're doing than actually having a heart for Jesus and loving others. The goal is for you not to be a perfectly moral person. The goal for you is to trust in Christ and let him make you a new creation. Will you be moral as a new creation? Absolutely. That's not the goal though. You will never reach that goal. So put away Malice, put away hatred, but put away hypocrisy and deceit. Put away hiding. Move away from hiding. Turn from hiding. This comes really from the idea that some people, we believe, we believe some people have it figured out. Maybe you think a pastor has it figured out, or your parents have it figured out, or a small group leader has it figured out, or somebody you think is really holy and really spiritual has it figured out, and they are good. Listen to me. Nobody has it figured out. As one of your pastors today, looking at my week, just ask Tracy, um, nobody has it figured out. Nobody has it figured out. Listen, when we, when we try to project or pretend or envy others, it leads to us being fake. It leads to us hiding. It leads to us hiding sin. And what your sin needs is to be exposed. And we think there are these untouchable sins, right? That if I actually confess this, I'm out of the club. Well, even the sin of racism it's this environment now where you can't even confess a struggle there. But hear this, church. The grace of God covers all sins. doesn't matter where it is in your heart, where it is in your soul. The enemy will use these things to have you hide. What your soul desperately needs is exposure. It's a cry for help. It's the spirit of a needy child saying, Lord, please help me. And the church, the church, we must respond in kind. So when people struggle, our response shouldn't be surprise. It shouldn't be judgment. It should be love. Because the next week, you're going to struggle. And so if we understand that we are literally all in this thing together, it makes it easier to put away this idea of malice, this idea of hiding hypocrisy, this idea of deceit, to put away these things. 
We must turn from these things. But hear this. We can't just turn from these things and do nothing. We can't just turn and say, okay, we're good. Here's what I mean. We've all done this before. We've come to maybe a church service, and you're convicted that you're an unloving spouse. And, man, you, you leave the service. Man, I'm so unloving. Put my, my phone on a monitor. Man, man, I'm unloving. And we leave here, and we know that we're unloving. And we turn from that. But if we don't turn from that to something else, we'll always come back to what we turned from. So you see here in 1 Peter 2 that we turn, we put away. But then in verse 2 it says this. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Like newborn infants. That sounds exhausting. If you ever had infants before, they're needy creatures, aren't they? They are needy, needy creatures. And I was asked this week, why are we not satisfied? There has never been a point in the history of the world where more scripture and more resources are available. So why are we, as a people, completely malnourished, completely unsatisfied by the things of God? I'll share a story myself this week. So on Monday, I'm kind of studying. I'm in 1 Peter 2. I'm reading this. I've got outline points. I'm walking through it. And um, the rest of my week just goes to the pooper. I mean, it just goes terrible, um, just like tired, frustrated, um, all the kind of things you think about right in life. Um, lack of grace for my kids, lack of patience, all of the, the things, right? And I woke up this morning, and in a sense, I was just feeling this sense of almost dread for preaching all week. Like my heart and my soul is just not ready to preach. It just, it's just not there. And I woke up this morning, and the Spirit of God did to the, it encouraged my soul, and it, it reminded me, confessing here, um, I have not longed for the pure spiritual. I've been writing it down all week long in my notes. I haven't done it myself. I haven't been in God's Word until this morning since like Wednesday or Tuesday. And day by day, I saw my soul believing less. Believing less, believing lies, believing lies, and your joy for God just seeps away in two or three days, in two or three days. And it hit me, I mean, this is the story of us many times, is that we, we have basically fallen for the fake stuff. We long for things that don't satisfy. Here's what I mean. Social media. Listen. And I love you. I love my, like, you know, I had time this week to get in God's word, right? We can check our phones for that. We go to our social media, our phones, because from there, it allows us to see people that are different from us, and we can turn to malice, right? We get on Facebook, oh, they, what, 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 what did they say? Oh, I'm glad I'm not like them. They're just, I'm going to pray for them. They are struggling. They are this. It allows us to see other people, oh, man, they are really good at this. Look how they love their kids. Their kids, they always have these great things for their kids. Man, I really envy them. And listen, we're we're doing this, and our souls are feasting on this. And our souls are hungry. Or we'll get on Facebook, and we'll show how good we are, right? Lost 20 pounds, that kind of thing. That was mine last week. I'm down to 30 now, and so it's been a good week. But... um, why are we laughing? It's obvious I've lost weight, right? And, um, 
We, we do all these things. So we're not putting away anything. We are turning to the things that Peter says to put away from over and over and over and over and over again. And our souls come up wanting, and we wonder why. Or we go to the news. That could be one of our things we turn to, the things we feast on. And we go to the news and say, okay, can I feel secure today? Or I go to the news, well, should I feel scared today? We turn to these things that can't possibly satisfy. And we feast and we spend hours and hours on these things. Even in the midst of all the chaos yesterday, what happened in Virginia, we spend hours reading about this and worrying about this, which is in some ways appropriate. But the truth is, we have an avenue in prayer, in God's word, that we have eternal hope. We have an imperishable seed, an everlasting life that we come back to over and over again. So why are we not satisfied? Because we're used to this fake stuff. We're just used to it. And part of this also as well, you see this, this metaphor here of an infant, right? There's a sense that we lack a childlike humility to constantly come to God over and over and over again. Because in the West, you know, we are taught that we do all this ourselves. We raise our family, we make money, we get a house, we get a car, we do this. And so for us, this idea of humility like an infant constantly longing and needing screams in the face of these cultural lies. Here's one question I have, I have for us. Look at verse 3. He says, Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk that you may grow into salvation. Then it says this right here. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And I, and I firmly believe this today, that it is so easy in our culture to um, go to church. To have actually never tasted how good Jesus is. You may have gone to church and been scared of hell and made a decision. You may have gone to church and been broken down at your sin. But you've never actually turned and experienced and walked and tasted Jesus and the good news of the gospel. And so I think there's many of us in this room, to be fully honest, that we don't long for the things of God because we have not been born again. And if we're not born again, we're not going to long for these things. John 4, this is the story of Jesus talking to the woman at the well. In verse 13, he says this right here. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I just want to ask you today, in your heart, in your soul, we're being open and honest. Has your soul ever been born again and experienced that freedom? Not just feeling bad about sin or or struggles, but actually turned and submitted 
and experience Jesus. I believe there's some in this room who have not actually walked through that journey. You've kind of attended and done things. And I want to tell you today, there is good news for you today. You're hearing the words of God right now to convict, to implore, to make your soul full of joy. And if that's you today, we want to talk to you. We want to partner with you. Let us know how we can encourage you, how we can help you. Last thing here, you think about an infant. When you have an infant, there's an extreme, for them, their entire life revolves around eating, right? Their enti- it's a schedule. Well, not a schedule. I'm not gonna, whatever, whatever you do, whatever you do. Uh, I'm not going there. Um, whatever you do, you feed that child. And, um, and you feed this child, and they are, man, that's all they care about, right? Like I had this picture of Connor where he just got an eating, and he's like, he's like and he's just like in complete heaven. But there's just extreme focus. Their entire life is built around being nourished. And this is honestly what Peter's getting at here. Peter's trying to help us see that we, as followers, as born-again believers in Jesus, as born-again people, should be like infants who revolve their life around being nourished by God's Word. So the question I have for us are we revolving our lives around being nourished by God's word? And hear this, at this time in the world, the world needs the church to be serious about these things. We don't just gather together to have a nice time. We gather together to feast on God's word together through song, through preaching, through communion. When we gather together, we should stir each other up with the good news of Jesus. That should be the the ethos of the church. Look at the songs we sang this morning. We get to hear in our souls, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Our souls, that is nourishing our souls. That is the pure spiritual that we must long for, is that good news. Christ is the cornerstone, the weak made strong. But here is the problem. Most of us, many times, the only times our souls are nourished is we're kind of forced into a room for an hour or an hour and a half. And I just thought about this. What if we, as a people, every time we checked our phones, my phone's not on me, every time we checked our phones, what if instead of the habit of just getting on Facebook or, or whatever you get, I have no idea what you do nowadays, Snapchat or something, and all these things, I'm not that old, but I, I don't know what it is, and all these things we go to, what if instead of in those moments, we saw ourselves as infants who desperately needed to be nourished by God's word? Friends, I'm just tell you, my soul desperately needs this. Your soul desperately needs this. A rearranging of our life. A rearranging of our priorities. Listen, we understand hunger, right? We know what it's like to be hungry, to feel hungry. Hear this today. Your soul is much hungrier than your body. We're about to go to lunch in a minute. We're all hungry right now, right? Your soul is much hungrier than your body. Listen, we in this room are believing lies from the enemy. We are walking in lack of joy. That's because we're not revolving our lives around the pure spiritual milk of the gospel. What would your life look like if you revolved your life around the pure spiritual milk of the gospel? How would your kids be raised up in a spiritual home?
Man, I was talking with Weston the other day. He said something. He has no idea he said it. And it just messed me up a little bit. He was talking about um, him and his daughters and uh, how they're, they're, they're nightly spiritual Bible study. I was like, oh, nightly. Cool, nightly. That's awesome. Um, and, um, and he said it so matter of fact, like that's how he takes a shower. And uh, the, honestly, as a church, things that aren't normative right now should become normative. There aren't super Christians, there's born-again Christians that then revolve their life around these things. Now listen, today you might be in a place where you never do these things. Put away these things and turn and long to the things only to be satisfied by God. That's our our heart today, that, that we begin to revolve and rearrange our life around these things. So our last thing here, let's go to verse verse 4, and we're going to wrap up. So we put away hatred and hiding, and we turn and we long for the gospel. Verse 4. As you come to him, as you keep moving towards Christ, as Christ is doing this work inside of you, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious— Listen, very quick note. I, I don't want to get too deep into this. But as we follow and walk with Jesus, we should expect rejection. We have fallen this lie that only success follows following Jesus. The problem with that is that Jesus was crucified. Jesus was rejected. Jesus ascended and it said some still doubted, which blows my mind that he's ascending to heaven and says, oh, I'm not sure about this. I have no idea how that works. But as we follow Jesus, and for some reason in our world, especially in America, we think the church should never be like looked down upon or or, or talked bad about or persecuted. Listen, the church of Jesus Christ should fly in the face of some of the values that we live in, and it should we should suffer for the gospel. People should think you're a little crazy because you follow Jesus. Because if we actually live these things out, it begins to look differently. But we do that because we are born again. We have an imperishable seed. So as we come to him, a living stone rejected by men, and the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. What kind of house? It says a spiritual house house. We're living stones. We're being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices accessible to God through Jesus Christ. We're being built up as a spiritual house. Listen, it is only through putting away sin and longing for the pure gospel that we can be made into this house. We cannot build the house. We can't build the church and then try to come back and put away and long for the gospel. That's not the order. The order is we put this away. We long for the gospel. As we do that, the Lord builds us up together as a spiritual house. It's a spiritual house. It's not a, not a company, not an organization. This is a spiritual, supernatural house. And that's why if we've not been born again, We can't possibly live these things out in this spiritual house. You need your heart of stone to be turned to a heart of flesh. Listen, 
we, you, us, are being developed into this living stone that is needed. Like this living stone, your, your abilities, you're part of the body of Christ, is this specific thing within the body that God is doing, and it's a good and a right thing. But too often, we're striving apart from the power of the Spirit, or we're pretending and we're hiding, or, or we're slandering other people and other stones because they're different stones than us. They're a different part than us. Hear this, church. We're all different. We all should be different. God wants to use our differences to build up this supernatural spiritual house. In a world that's so divided, what a great picture it can be when black, white, young, old, rich, poor, mad, happy, all come together and build this spiritual house for the world to see. That we have nothing to do with, we're just born again and God is doing this work. That's what the world needs to see. This includes leadership. You know, Luke's been out for sabbatical, and I'm still mad at him right now about it. And, and, and I think back to West, who's been here for a year. And he has brought so much change that, that my abilities could never do in a year. And Luke's leadership brings things to the table that I can't even sometimes fathom until he's gone. And then I have a gift of encouragement that I bring to the table so we all kind of like each other a little bit sometimes. And what happens is we all have preferences. Some people like to move or, or sit here and be encouraged or do this or do that. Listen, church, listen to me, please. We all need this. We need all the voices at the table as we build up this spiritual house. So some of you are called to serve. Some of you are called to encourage. Some of you are called to teach. I would encourage you Turn away from hiding and hating. Long for the pure gospel. And as God builds you up, use your specific gifts for the glory of God and the good of our world. The good of your neighbor. The good of your uncle. The good of your co-worker. They desperately need to see a picture, a foretaste of the kingdom of God. One more thing. You don't see in here where it says anything about any super stones, do you? You just see stones. You just see living stones. There's not like great stones and pretty good stones. We tend to think, this goes back to this idea of looking at others and striving. We tend to think that someone else's job is to do that. We are the church. We're a holy priesthood. Not Weston, not Luke. We are a holy priesthood sent out by the Spirit of God to, to bring up this beautiful thing called the church. But many of us are just caught up in just mess that's robbing our joy and giving a bad picture of God's church. The work God, the work God does in you, he will do through you. So my question today is, what is the work God's doing in your heart right now? As I've screamed for the past 30 minutes, what is the work... What is the Holy Spirit doing in your heart right now? Where is the area in your life? Maybe for you, it's you've got to put away some things. Maybe there is hatred in your heart today. Maybe it's for another race. Maybe it's for people I don't know about. Maybe I have no idea what it is. But today, God is clearly showing in your heart to put away something. Maybe for you, you've actually never been made new. Been made a new creation. That, that could be you today. 
I would encourage you, begin to ask questions. Begin to seek. Write on your card that you have questions about this. We want to pray for you. Maybe today, I think a lot of us in this room could, could begin the spiritual habit of rearranging our life around the spiritual milk that we need, around the Word of God, and memorizing, and singing, and talking about, and reading, and studying. Let it nourish us with the good news. And that leads us to communion, which is this great picture of um, the nourishment of the gospel. That we, as, as humble children, come each week to the table and say, we literally need the body of Christ broken for us. We literally need the blood of Christ shed for us to have any hope in this world at all. When you take this, you're literally proclaiming that for your life and that you believe that in your life. And so here's my challenge today. To really investigate your heart, to search your heart, to see if you really, really desire and long for the things of God. And if you're not sure, that's great. Begin to ask questions. I believe if you're not sure, but you want to ask questions, that's a great sign that God's at work in your heart. But many times, we're just afraid to ask questions. We don't want to look foolish. But we don't want to look foolish and we just walk in darkness over and over and over and over. God has much better plans for you than that. Bring your question to the table. Before you partake today, search your heart. What are you longing for? What are you desiring in your heart? And as you partake, be reminded that God is doing a work as you're obedient to his call. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for your good news of the gospel. Where the weak are made strong, Father. Father, let us embrace our weakness, Lord. Let us embrace our foolishness, Father, for you. And help us to simply trust you as an infant that is longing for its food, Father. Father, speak to hearts this morning. Let there be honesty this morning, Father, in all of our hearts, Lord. Let us confess sin. Let us turn to you, Father. Move in our hearts. Father, we love you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And when you're ready, you can just come dip the bread and the juice. Come when you're ready.